I've said it in a few recent episodes, but I am nearly four years in of being the host of Locked on Devils, and today I get to celebrate number 800. Accompanying me on today's special episode is a former Stanley Cup champion and a three-time NHL All-Star, and not only that, he is the color commentator alongside with Matt Loughlin on the New Jersey Devil Airwaves. It is the one and only Chico Resch. We're going to talk about his playing career, the playoff runs, and the current state of the Devils roster. There's a lot to discuss in today's special episode alongside with Chico Resch. So buckle up, everybody. You're Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're Locked On Devils with Trey Matthews. All righty now, what is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey club and play announcer, Dell's Driver for Pucks and Pitchforks, and also part-time credential media member, Trey Matthews. Joining me on today's special episode to help celebrate number 800 is a man who doesn't need an introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyways. He is a former longtime goalie who is known for his unique helmet designs. He was a part of a New York Islanders team that won the Stanley Cup in 1980 a three-time All-Star Game participant, and is the only goalie to represent two different countries during the Canada Cup. Aside from all that, he is known for his personality as well. That's why he won the Bill Masterton Trophy in 1982 and has carved out a nice career for himself in both television and radio. A member of the Saskatchewan Hall of Fame from the University of Minnesota by way of Moose Jaw, it's Chico Resch. Chico, how you doing? Well, Trey, I, I was just overwhelmed with that introduction. I think it, who's he talking about? Oh, that's me. But yeah, it, it, it's, I've been around a long time, so you did have a lot to get in. And, and thank you for that nice introduction, Trey. Everything's going good, except we'll get into it. The team's not nearly as healthy in many ways, physically and even uh, emotionally, and in the standing as we'd like. But I know that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Now, before we talk about the current Devils and your current gig as a color commentator on the Devils Airways alongside with Matt Loughlin, let's get a bit of a background about your hockey history. So growing up in Saskatchewan, where did hockey begin for you? Well, it, it began in the basement. Uh, the old houses used to have basements because they all had to have a furnace. I mean, you can imagine how cold it was. And it was usually coal and wood furnace downstairs. And I would go down there and either my dad or my uncle would shoot these little tennis balls at me. We'd put up some uh, uh, goalposts. And then sometimes I would bang it off the wall. Like I would put a ball and I'd hit it against the wall. And then I'd try to make the save. And I would, uh, and, you know, I would announce the game. And back then it's like Jean Beliveau and Rocket Richard and Glenn Hall and Jacques Plante who were the players. And then, you know what, Trey, the last thing is I would take a piece of cardboard and I would write up the game. It's crazy because there was no game, but in my mind, there was a game. And so I would write it up and I'd put down the, the attendance and everything. Uh, and from there, I just started to want to play, but um, I was very shy and nervous. And uh, I just would go and watch uh, the players on the outdoor rinks. And one day, 
the one goalie didn't show up and the shack man who sh uh, scraped the ice and shoveled it and watered it and made it all look real nice. He yelled at me while I was standing on the snowbank waiting to watch. And he said, hey, kid. And I looked around Trey and I thought, I hope he's not talking to me because I, I got very nervous. He said, no, you. Well, I was the only one there. So I walked towards him and he said, the one goalie didn't show up tonight. He said, would you want to play goal? And I thought, well, I don't have any skates. I didn't know how to skate. I'm already, what am I, seven years old, at least a little bit older. Uh, I said, I don't have any skates. I don't have any equipment. Ah, that's okay. He says, we'll just strap these goalie pads on you and put a chest protector and you don't need a mask and gloves. So he took me into the warming house and put all that gear on me and then said, well, you're ready. And I said, well, I am. I mean, I didn't have a clue, but I got pushed out on the ice. And that was my first organized hockey game. And the last thing is, Trey, he said to me, Glenn, because I that was my name then, not Chico. He said, listen, I'll let you play the rest of the year in your rubber boots. You know, you can put all the gear on, but you can play in your rubber boots. But you got to learn how to skate on the off days. Come over and there's a skating rink. So I learned to skate that year as well. And then the next year that I went back to play, I had to wear skates. But actually, my first year of organized hockey i played in my rubber boots and um, i was just as bad in my rubber boots as i was in skates so it didn't really matter well uh that faithful day uh ended up you having a very nice career in the sport of hockey so you went undrafted but as previously mentioned you played for the university of minnesota during your collegiate career you played for a now defunct international hockey league the ihl and also the ahl before making your nhl debut in 1974 can you just talk about like the process of getting your name out there and just trying to once again carve out a career for yourself in the sport of hockey well trey you know that's very interesting because people always ask how do you make the nhl or how do you how do you do anything well and and i was the same way i first of all i thought i i'll give three years of minor league hockey a chance if i haven't made it in three years that's going to tell me something but i i tell people even in say if i was saying to you trey like you say how can i make it to the top I, I would say well whatever level you're at be the best you can be at that level somebody will notice and you will get invited to the next level and then be the best in that level you'll get invited to the next level not many people i think if they have some skill and they work hard and they got good uh, work habits and traits not many of them fall through the cracks and never get a shot so that's really all i did i just tried to get better at each level and then one day the world hockey association formed and that was a rival league and uh, Jerry Desjardins, who was one of the two goalies for the Islanders, he left to go to the Michigan Stags. So when I went to training camp that third year, there was an opening. Unfortunately, Al Arbor and Mr. Bill Torrey, they, they chose me, and I got to play that first year in New York along with Billy Smith. Yeah, so uh, you talked about taking the back rows to get the NHL, but – uh, once you got there in 1974, you had a cup of coffee, but your very next season, you saw more action appearing in 25 games and racked up 12 wins in the process. However, the main talking point for that season was your guys' ability to erase 3-0 deficits because in the round against the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Islanders came back to win the series in seven. Very rare that a team in any major sport down 3-0 
overcomes a 3-0 deficit, let alone wins it. And even though you lost in the next round to the Philadelphia Flyers, you guys did the improbable once again. You erased a 3-0 deficit. So can you take us behind the scenes of that season and the playoff run in general? Well, you know, first of all, Mr. Al Arbor, I think, is the greatest coach ever. Uh, he, his record doesn't say it, but but Al was like had a real good air about him. I mean, Al could – you know how some people, Trey – uh, I don't mind taking criticism. You don't mind taking criticism. You just hope the person that is delivering the criticism isn't really mad at you. Like, I mean, he's telling you the truth, but it's not like he really dislikes you. And that's kind of the way Al Arbor was. He would tell you things like for me, he'd say, Chico, if you give up any more goals on the short side, uh, actually he called it the minor league side. He says, and that's where you'll be in the minor leagues. So he would he would talk to me and he would show me respect, and then he would play me that first year uh, in games where I really had a a good chance to win. He he allowed me to get some success, and you hear that all the time, especially in hockey. Players got to go to the, the American League or the minor leagues for a year, and they oh I don't. But like Patrick Elias said, <clears throat> best thing that ever happened to him, and certainly to me was. I got to learn in the minor leagues. And then when you get called up, you're kind of ready to play. You've been through all the challenges and trials and tribulations at a less pressurized position, or that's what you think. So when I got to the Islanders, Al was putting me in positions where I could succeed. And then I got my confidence. And But the biggest thing, to be honest, Trey, we had a very good defense. We had some veteran guys, Jerry Hart, uh, Burt Marshall, uh, we had a lot of guys that had been around that Tory brought in. But what happened to Trey was we got really lucky with the draft. And I, I would say this, like the Devils have two first overall picks and, and other teams get it. And that's really good. That'll help you. But you got to get lucky in some of the other areas, a third round or the fourth round. You know, we have Jesper Brad. I think we got in the sixth round. You got to get lucky. And so what happened that year, Trey, that was back in, that had been in 70, the summer of 74, the world hockey. No, a couple of players, one of them, John Tonelli, and and uh, I think, Mar I don't know if Mark Messier was part of it. They sued the NHL. And said, look, we can go to war. We're 18. We can get jobs. We can go to war. We can represent our country. Whatever. 18 was the legal limit. But yet, you're saying the NHL and leagues, we aren't eligible till the draft till 21. Well, the courts, Supreme Court, threw that out. So what happened was that summer, all the 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20, and 21-year-old kids were available. And the Islanders did a good job. They got Trache. They got uh, um, uh, Bobby Bourne, uh, Clark Gillies. We, we got a lot of guys uh, because of that change in the rules. Um, and then it just kind of all came together. And so we were playing Pittsburgh. And, you know, Smitty, Billy Smith, great goalie for Stanley Cubs, He's starting and he loses the first three. And Al said, well, Chico, I guess I got to go with you. And I said, well, thanks. And I remember we were in New York and he, we had a practice and he drew a line and he was on one side of the line. And he said, I still think we can come back. It might've just been the coaching deal. You know what coaches are like. He says, but anybody else who thinks we can come back, come across that line and stand over here with me. Well, 
who wasn't going to go across the line. Even if you didn't know, we all went across the line and stood with Al. And then we won the first game. Then we, and then I got a chance to play. Then we won the second game. Then we won the third game. And then we go to game seven in Pittsburgh. And I'm hearing and reading there was only one other goalie in 1942 that ever was down 3-0 and came back and won four straight. So it was a pretty rare occurrence. But we went into Pittsburgh in game seven and beat them one to nothing. And um, that kind of changed the history of the players on that team as well as me. And as you know, Trey, we stayed together. Most of us added others. And then in 1979, I was part of a cup. And then they won four straight cups, the Islanders did. And, but that winning in, the, in that, that's the spring of 75, being down 3 nothing, and then coming back in both those situations, really solidified that what, what can't you do in sports? I mean, unless you're really awful, well, then you're not going to beat a good team you know, in seven games. But if you're a good team, bounces of the puck, you know what the game's like, Trey. Um, bounces, guy shoots, hits the crossbar, shoots, hits the stick. You have to get the breaks. And I think it proved to us that if we just kept playing, we would always have a chance. Doesn't mean we always win, which we didn't for another six years. But uh, it was a great learning experience for all of us, not to mention, you can imagine how exciting it was. It was one of the highlights of my career. Don't worry, there's still more in store with Chico. But before we continue, let me tell you guys about FanDuel. So happy Super Bowl to all those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. So FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today. You'll get a $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL or the Taylor Swift League, however you want to name it. All right, let's get back to our discussion with Chico. Take it away once again. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the success that the Islanders saw the the next few years. So uh, that kind of leads into my next question. So you guys had good regular season performances, getting to the playoffs, and the Islanders finally earned their first Stanley Cup championship in 1980. And what went into that title run and the process of getting there? Well, we'd lost to the Rangers the year before. And we'd had some injuries. And it was getting very frustrating because they were maybe even going to fire Al Arbor. We knew we had a good team, but again, breaks uh, of the uh, um, of the game. But then two things happened. Bill Torrey made a trade with at Los Angeles, and he got Butch Goring, who should be in the Hall of Fame. He's not. He wins four Stanley Cups. He's a great player. And Bill had to give up the first player he ever drafted, which is always hard, Billy Harris and uh, Davey Lewis. They went to L.A. We got Butch Goring. Now we had two lines. And you watch every championship teams. You cannot get through four rounds, one centerman, because the other team will lock into that one centerman, shut them down, then where do you go? And that was our problem. 
in the years previous. But now with Butchie, and his line was almost as good as Trotch and Boss and Gillies, they just couldn't keep us under control. The only thing we had to do in the first series, no, second series, we still kind of had a reputation. They thought that they could beat us up. And back in the day, Trey, the physical element of a game could intimidate. So the other team, if they were more skilled, they could still lose because you've intimidated them. And that's what Boston tried to do to us. But Bob, uh, I mean, um, Clark Gillies, who's now passed away, is in the Hall of Fame. He and Terry O'Reilly fought three times. We had the biggest brawl I've ever been a part of in game two in Boston. But once we showed that we could be as tough as we were skilled, then we started to roll. Not that it was easy. In the last series against Philadelphia was a battle. But I think it just solidified to ourselves that we could beat ourselves still, because you can still do uh, stupid things, goofy things. But it wasn't that we had this one flaw. Well, we only got one centerman, not two. We're not tough enough. You know, we're too soft. That was all out the window. So um, when we finally won in 1980, uh, I think just everybody felt, you know what? We're really the best team. There's no weaknesses. So why shouldn't we win? And uh, and we did. And um, then four years later, they finally lost, but they won four cups before that happened. Yeah, so I actually want to jump to the current Devils for right now while we're on the subject of Stanley Cups. Like, what's missing from this Devils team, in your opinion, from them potentially being Stanley Cup contenders? Because I asked Ken Danico this when he appeared on my show months back and obviously you're a former stanley cup champion so i want to get your opinion what's missing from this devil's team what's going to take them over the hump in order to be serious contenders for a stanley cup well i mean i think that's a great question trey and everybody every devil's fans asking that listen i think our forward group when we're healthy with jack and nico remember i talked about the two sentiments trache and goring so we got that we got wingers that can score we got third and fourth liners that that can you know get the job done and pay the price and do what they have to do but it's like i talked to the winnipeg jets coaches uh, earlier this year i said you guys played vegas in the first round vegas wins the cup last year what do you think was the difference in that team he said defense you know trey you've got to have a rock solid defense that can play well for four rounds, not just two or one or three, like uh, uh, Florida did last year. They played three really good rounds, but they got blown out in the fourth. But that's where the Devils need to improve. And how do you do that? You got two 19-year-old kids on there, 20-year-olds with Nemich and Hughes. But how do you accelerate experience? You can't. <clears throat> They're going to be really good. Are they good enough now? That's what you don't know. Plus, uh, I just think our defense has to be either upgraded from without and you make a trade, you know, or they have to really get it together within themselves because we can't continue to be as inconsistent defensively as we've been this year and expect the goalie to bail them out. I mean, Everybody says, well, when are they going to get a goalie? When are they going to get a goalie? And I'll say to them, who was the goalie who won for Vegas last year? 
Oh, uh, uh, um, oh, Aiden Hill. Don't get me wrong. He's a really good goalie, but nobody knew that before he won the cup. My point is, if we solidify the defense, Stray, then we can honestly evaluate the goalies. But you cannot evaluate goalies if the defense isn't rock solid. So to me, that's a big challenge. But it's also fairly simple, not a simple solution, but we just have to get our defense much more um, consistent than we've been in the first half of this year. So I know you and I talked about this privately at a game one time, but uh, if, if you're so willing, I would like to uh, for you to share your opinion with the audience about the goaltending situation for the Devils this year, because the thing is, is that that seems to be the big talk of the town for the Devils, which is people are quick to blame Vitek Vancek. People are quick to blame Nico Dawes, formerly Akira Schmidt, who's now in Utica trying to get some more rhythm, not really going all that well, but still it's just like people are saying like the devil's goaltending is the main issue. And I can't lie. I've also talked about it on this show as well, because I see uh, their, their expected goals percentage or something like that. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts as a former Stanley cup champion goalie, do you put the blame on Vanacek, Schmid, and, and Dawes for the devil struggles this year? Or where, where do you like blame the defense and where do you blame the goalie? Well, that's well uh, said, Trey. Okay, l- let's be honest. I'm not saying Vanacek or Dawes, they've been brilliant, lights out. But let's just go back again. Last year's playoffs. You like Hellebuck? Oh, Winnipeg. They go out in the first round. You like Shesterkin? Oh, they went out in the first round. You like Vasilevsky? Oh, I really like they went out in the first round. You like the two Boston goalies who won the Vesna? Oh, they went out in the first round. My point is the goalies for the Devils haven't been lights out. But I think in sports, but maybe in all of our lives, we want a real simple solution. Either fire the coach. Because if we just if we just fire the coach and bring a new coach, we're going to win. Well, no, it's not. It doesn't work that way. I mean, as much as from the outside. I I don't mean to interrupt you, but people are going to bring the example the the Edmonton Oilers. They made a coaching change, and currently they're on a 16-game win streak. Yes, but do they have two of the best players in all of hockey? That too. Yeah, yeah, that that too. And then they've got Hyman. Just be clear, I'm not saying like the Devils should make a. a, a coaching change. Mm-hmm. I've defended Lindy Ruff on my show. I'm just saying, like, that's what people uh turn yes. to quickly. Exactly, Trey. No, and and you're right. Were were the Oilers frustrated, disappointed? It's just like we're talking about the Devils. The Oilers had defensemen that weren't playing as best they could, and maybe those forward, those forward guys. You know, like if you look at uh, Connor McDavid. The goals this year, and how many he scored last year. He's going to score less, but he's playing more team game, team game. That's what I'm saying. So, but with so and Skinner, remember they were down on their goalies. Uh, Campbell got sent down. Oh, Skinner couldn't win. I think he's won thirteen or fourteen. Really, folks, do you really think he got that much better, or he was better protected? I mean, you cannot talk about save percentage and goals against average today and compare it to even five or six years ago. You can't. They're cross-sized passes, one-timers, breakaway. Nobody can hit in front of the net or you'll get a penalty. You can't crease clear anymore. You got backdoor plays. You got breakaways every night. I, I watch all the games. Trey, I'm just saying 
if you keep playing that way and giving up that many chances, even the Oilers wouldn't be on this roll. But if you look at two and less, it's not just the goalies, and everybody will tell you. So that's what I think about the Devils' goaltending. Can we solidify the goaltending? Uh, excuse me, the defense. Can we solidify the defense from now till say maybe let's say the middle of February? Okay, then you're still going to have like three weeks to make a trade. But let's do that first because I say to I would say to you, Trey, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Okay, but which goalie are you going to go and get right now? Who is the guy that's out there? Oh, somebody says, well, Markstrom, he's 34. They're not even going to get in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. He he can be good, but he can also be because of the, the team he's, he's behind. So who else could we get? Well, Sorry? Uh, I've, I've talked about it on my show before. So here here's like what I've been talking about. I've, I've been saying the goalie market is very spread thin. Like there aren't that many options to choose from. So people want John Gibson. Do you think the Anaheim Ducks are going to uh, take uh, uh, pennies for John Gibson because there's been a dark cloud over their organization last years? That's not going to happen. Jacob Markstrom, I don't think that's likely either, not because uh, or, or just because uh, what I factor in is that would the Flames be willing to trade him? Because if they trade him away, then their spread, then their goalie situation is not that good either. And he has a few years left on his contract. And mm -hmm. so they don't have to trade him right away. The only realistic choice at this point is probably Elvis Merz-Lincolns in Columbus. But I get that the Blue Jackets aren't really all that good. But is Merz-Lincolns really the answer to take the Devils to the promised land? No disrespect to him. But the answer to that is no. So I agree okay. with you. The goalie market is very spread thin. And the and unfortunately, if you really want to trade for a goalie, the the um the asking price for VTech Vancheck, not that high right now for more reasons than one. But it's just like like the Anaheim Ducks are just not going to uh part ways with John Gibson. John Gibson isn't the number one goalie there right now, Trey. He hasn't won the last he hasn't played the last few games when they've been winning. Uh What's the kid's name? Starts with a D. I, I'm just saying, John Gibson plays on a team where I played on a team like that. You can have really good games. There's nothing to lose. Like, when you lose and get pounded, well, that's expected. Then you play a great game and win. Oh, you were unbelievable. But that's not what we're looking for. It's the same thing. I like Alvis Merlickens, right, because he's a character. But then I'm in Columbus, and I will say Elvis has got to make some changes to get out of there. Like if he wants to get out of there, I mean, I'm I'm hearing about his work ethic. I'm hearing about some of his antics. I don't want to get into it all because I think a goalie can be a little bit, you know, off center, a little bit, you know, uh, off the wall sometimes, and still be great. But none of those guys we mentioned are a guarantee that um, they're going to be better than what we have. Now, if you could get them for nothing. Okay, I'll take that. And, you know, if we could get them and just give them a chance. But people are talking like they will be the answer. I'm saying watch their games. Watch how they're playing. You just hear it from the press. That Markstrom's really good. Yeah, he's had some really good games. Uh, John Gibson, he, he was out here on the island, and the Islanders scored a, a really bad goal to beat them in the last minute of the game. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dumping on John Gibson. But there isn't the uh, 
one goalie out there that's going to solve all of the devil's problems. It's not going to happen. Um, but now you say in February, Trey, you and I are the GMs, and we say, you know what, we, we got our defense together. Uh, goalie's just not getting it done. We, we got to try to do something. Okay. But I think it's a little early to be panicking until we get that defense back together and see what we got. Right. And I think it would be way easier for Tom Fitzgerald to get a defenseman versus break a ba- break the bank for a goalie. And even then, that's not a guaranteed fix. So uh, the Devils exactly. defense needs, needs a lot of work because they're all offense, but not really defensive minded, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it does, and they're inexperienced. You know, like I'm watching Simon Nemec. He's he's going to be 20, I think, and he told me in, in a week or two. How can you give him five years of experience? Like, we're not talking about a minor league. We're talking about the best league in the world. And the guys who are playing against him, or Luke Hughes, you think they're saying, eh, I, I know I can't do it against these guys. No, they're driven. They're driven to beat those guys. And if those guys don't know all the tricks yet, and it's not just them, it can be uh, Kevin Ball. I mean, it could be even John Marino. It could be anybody. You can't let down defensively. I talked to Nico Heischer, and I said, Nico, you know, there's so many breakdowns, not just the Devils. And, you know, but you see the Rangers now, they're they're panicking, right? They're losing, and Shesterka's not playing well. He said, Chico, with very little hitting and no resistance, everybody's going 100 miles an hour, right, as fast as they can. That's what they wanted, speed, speed, speed. He said, if you get a little bit out of position or you just make the slightest mistake uh, on what you think is going to happen and it doesn't, it's almost impossible to recover in today's game. It's so fast that if you aren't making the right decision all the time, Somewhere along the line, you're going to get beat. And I thought, yeah, you know, he's probably right because I see every team doing it. But I, I haven't watched the Oilers, and we keep bringing them up, Trey, and they'd be a good group to watch and say, what have they changed? What have they done better? I'll just tell you about them last thing because I find it. Paul Coffey, he's now the defensive guy. They hired him along with the head coach. Paul Coffey was all offense. He didn't play defense, and he didn't have to. Boy, could he skate and shoot. And he was dynamic. And and uh, Grant Fear was their goalie, and he was lights out. But I'm saying, so Paul Coffey is the one that's really coaching the Oilers' defense. He wasn't a defensive defenseman, but he obviously figured out we can't play the way I played, so we got to change things and play more tight. And they've been doing that, and I, I think that's what has to happen with the Devils. Well, we'll see what happens within the next few weeks. Obviously, they're on hiatus right now for the All-Star break. And I said, if any team needs a full reset just to de-cleanse themselves and and start fresh and get some healthy bodies back onto the roster, it's this Devils team. So we'll definitely see how that uh, foregoes. But I want to get back to you and talk about your career, your second career as a broadcaster. So we talked about the uh, success that you had as a player. But you obviously have a cadence uh, about you. You're you're well liked, and it was well documented that you were one of the best people to interview. And so it was no surprise to people when you shifted over to television. And for 15 years, 
you and Mike Doc Emmerich were the broadcasters for the Devils, and everyone loved your guys's just dynamic because you were known for your ability to break the tension of a hockey game through various types of humor and sometimes mm -hmm. just improvising as you go. So I talked to Matt uh, about um, Doc and how he was, but I want to hear your opinion. What was it like working with uh, Doc Emmerich? Well, what would it be like, Trey, if I said to you, how would you like playing on the wing with Wayne Gretzky? Oh, I think I'd like that. How would you like playing with one of the greats, maybe the greatest? I just texted Doc this morning and talked to him a little bit. But when I came there, I knew, I already knew Doc was good, right? And I already knew I was lousy. I mean, I can goalies can analyze because they got to analyze right from the puck on the other end of the ice when it's coming up. Who's open? Okay, what little things really make a difference? You know, not just the big things. Like Nico Dawes gave up two goals the other night in Carolina. And the one I was confused when I said to him the next day, I said, Nico, what, what happened there? You, you were looking here. He said it hit the shin pad of our defenseman and went the other way. Those things you don't see with the naked eye. Anyway, so I could analyze the game and I knew all that. But Doc told me some, I said, Doc, well, what do you think? What, what can I do? And he knew I was raw and rough. He said, here's what you're going to do, Chico. Do some homework. Do your homework. Try to talk to players. And if you can drop in a quote or somebody told you this, just like I talked about Nico. It's not me saying how fast the game is. Nico plays it. He's, and he says, but the other thing is, you have to come with enthusiasm. If you're not enthusiastic, I don't care what's going on in the game. Why do you expect the viewers to continue to watch? And so if they would just dump the puck in the corner tray, I would say, oh, what a great dump in. Da, 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 if it was effective. But then you get into just really do enjoying the game. Like a lot of fans I know, there's some fans that are really critical and they come and they're just there and they're going to, really knock what they see is true the negative part of how we are and the uh, bad plays there's others that are just coming to enjoy the environment you know the event the game and they're going to see really good stuff that a player does and, and maybe we don't win but they still left enjoying the game and that's kind of what doc was telling me the, when the game's over, whatever the score, you can bring out something. And he had a, he had a suitcase, you guys, everybody, this wide. He brought that thing, carried that thing every game. He eventually had to have a hernia operation. It was so heavy. But if I said, Doc, what happened? Do you remember three years ago? Da, 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 just a minute. He'd go and he'd go into his briefcase there and pull out the sheet. Yeah, da, 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 and he'd tell me the details. Um, but Doc was so prepared. And, and so loved the sport, it was infectious. And then we had Stan Fischler, who was doing uh, the uh, between periods, and they had, we had Chuck the Duck. And this was another thing. It was just, you know, somebody said, well, Doc said to me today, and I'll tell you, he said Doc loved his time with New Jersey. He said, but when you look at the Ranger broadcast, and I, I don't know if this is true with the Rangers fans, but certainly their broadcast, very seriously serious at least it was and it was all like win-win you know hockey 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 with the devils we're more country folks we want to have some laughs you know oh, that was a stupid thing i said or whatever so doc and i just tried to have fun because we felt people when they watch the game they still just want to have fun you want to watch the game uh, and the other thing you know trey we did there was a time when i first started 
color men were talking over the play a lot. You know, and I remember a producer saying, yeah, you can talk over the play, you know, you can, because everybody can see what's going on. And so you can talk over, you can tell a story or da, 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 da. And I would listen to that, other announcers doing that. And I said, I don't think that's the best. And I thought, I can't, even though we see the play, when Doc Emmerich could announce it or any announcer and bring it to a crescendo with a good scoring chance and, or a goal or whatever, well, a guy talking, just giving information or whatever, he, he can't compete with that. So Doc and I said, he says, Chico, here's the way I like to do it. I hope you agree. I do the play-by-play, and I talk, and I'll describe the goal. But as soon as I describe the goal, it's your turn. If you listen to some announcers trade, they'll say, oh, you know, uh, Nico, he's here, he scores. Oh, what a play. Nico had the puck up and he threw it to Jesper Brad. He threw it back. He re-describes it. Well, then the color man, he's just taken what the color man was going to say. Doc wouldn't do that. If you listen to Doc, any of his broadcasts, when he describes something, that's it. And he just said, Chico, don't talk over me, which was good. And I won't talk over you. But I had to learn that lesson. And one day, day in Philadelphia, I started talking over the play. And Doc, we were friends. He whacks me on the back uh, when the play ended and said, OK, now it's your turn to talk. I got the message. And, and it was beautiful because we were friends. And so he was very helpful. But again, we had great teams. Remember, the Devils were winning cups. Fans are still coming back. Many of the same fans. Some of the players. There were characters. Oh, I mean, we had we had some wild characters and some great players. And so um, I, I learned along the way. And then we went through the five years previously where it was tough. But then we got Nico, and then we now we got Hughes, and then we got Brat, and, and you know we signed some free agents, and we got Dawson Mercer in a good trade, and. Uh, I mean, in a draft and Luke Hughes. And so, you know, we're on the right track. Technically, the Devils did get Dawson Mercer in a trade because they got a, in the Taylor Hall deal, they got the traffic that they ended up using to select Dawson Mm -hmm. Mercer. So just wanted to say you were correct in a sense. Yeah, no, I knew he was drafted. I think we was 18th. And I've heard the story about who they wanted to pick and how it was playing out in the draft because you never know but uh so here's what i would say trey there we have a lot of the right pieces in place but do we have all the pieces all the pieces you need to win the stanley cup if you if you ask me to be honest i'd say i don't think so not quite yet or they haven't matured enough so it's going to be exciting like you said trey we devils are really in a good spot in many ways but they've got to put some pieces together. Just like when we made a trade for Butch Goring, Islanders were a different team. And uh, I think the same thing's true of the Devils. And that's why we watch the sport and listen to you and, and follow it so closely. You know, there's, there's a lot that's going to happen here in the next month or so. Before we continue, I want to tell you guys about Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? I can't imagine a more helpless feeling if one of my family members gets sick while a supply chain issue 
kept them from the life-saving antibiotics they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay with Jace Medical. The Jace case is a five-pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. Before we get back to our discussion with Chico, let me tell you guys about Factor. So get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get a chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutrition and flavorful options to kickstart your resolution. So forget frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factors two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals, all delivered right to your door. Factor now offers loads of snacks options like breakfast, smoothies, juices, snacks, and more to keep me going no matter what's on the schedule. So I think you'll like it too. So head to factormeals.com slash locked on NHL 50 and use the code locked on NHL 50 to get 50% off. That's code locked on NHL 50 at factormeals.com slash locked on NHL 50 to get 50% off. All right. Speaking of food, let's get back to our discussion with Chico Resch, the star of Chico Eats. Just, I, I couldn't help myself. Take it away once again. All right. So to close out the show, it's going to be a, a speed round of, of questions uh, sent in by some of my audience members. Mm-hmm. So someone wants to know, do you, you you're now the color commentator on uh, doing radio alongside with Matt Loglin. Someone wants to know, do you miss doing television? Oh, absolutely. Because uh, I have to describe what's going on before I could use a telestrator, a replay. And when I, like I see fine points on radio, I can't always point them out because I, I got to describe the big picture, right? Whereas if you're doing the game, I can say, I push a button and I, what you do is you talk to your uh, camera director and producer down in the truck and you say, hey, can you stop it just before the goal goes in? then I could say, now watch this guy here, how he might just be out of position or he did something special to get in position. So Trey, I'm a, I'm a detail guy. And so TV allowed you to be much more detailed than on radio, but I love working with Maddie and we have a good following, especially people going home in the radio uh, in their cars after the game, they listen to us. And, um, and I just said, Maddie, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's some announcers, they say stuff, and I'm thinking, no, that's not what's happening in these people's, in these players' minds or in the room. And and Maddie's learned. I'm just not going to go with the cliches because that's the same the thing point? he said. That's the same thing he said uh, when he appeared on my show back in August. <laughs> he says you are Is not going right? on cliches, that you, you're going to find other ways to describe it, like you're very detailed oriented. So that's the exact same word that Matt – uh, said Whoa. when he appeared on my show back in August. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because you know what? The fans, they don't want it. Well, I shouldn't say that. Some people like cliches. But, like, if you just said, 
they would like a simple answer. Get a new goalie, and this team's going to be great. No. No, there's other th- things that are going on that you got to be aware of. And so I'm going to tell them that. And, you know, we're on the radio sometimes. We can be probably a little more critical than on TV. I mean, because, again, I'm not – on TV, if you stop it, you point it out and stuff, it really places the um, player – under the spotlight. But let's be honest. You know, in our last few games, Trey, we didn't lose. The Devils didn't lose because they were awful from start to finish. They lost because there were a couple of critical mistakes. Like, here's the thing I'll just tell you about hockey. You can make a mistake. You can make one mistake and usually get away with it. If you if, if players make two mistakes, that's going to be a great chance and probably end up in the net. The other thing is, on most of the goals, when they happen in front, right, of the net in that slot area, the defense has gotten on the wrong side of the guy or he made a guess and went the wrong way. I mean, in the old days, if Kenny Danico made a mistake in front of the net and the guy was going to get the puck, boom, cross-check, guy flying. Way to go, Kenny. Good crease crashing. You know, you, you cleared the crease. You can't now, if he gets position on you, Trey, you can't hook him. You can't grab him. You you can't hardly push him. And that's why Lindy, when Lindy's talking about, we need our D to play on the inside of a player. Think of it this way, four by six goal. Okay. The outside is outside the posts. You don't want your D there. You want them in the middle of the net. Then that attacking player has to come to you. And you can step up and still bump him if he's coming to you. But if you're behind him, you can't do anything. And we got two goals scored on us uh, in Tampa Bay. I won't mention it, but both defensemen were on the outside. And even though they kind of had a shot at the puck, the Tampa Bay player beat them and they scored. And so... That's kind of the game, two goals. Now, we've played really well in other areas, but if you know, if I'm going to give up a goal from the blue line, I don't think we're going to win. I just don't. There's certain mistakes you cannot make consistently, and one of them is in front of the net, and that's where we've got to shore that up. And the coaches are trying their hardest. It's just a, it's a tough process. Uh, you can't gain experience without living it and living it usually means you've made some mistakes you've had some agonizing losses you know and you just get tired of it so the devils are in that process right now trey and how long it takes well that's that's the the joy or whatever the mystery of what lies ahead for these devils absolutely uh, agreed with everything you said uh fantastic Thanks. insight so uh someone else wants to know what is your most memorable moment as a devil and I guess also as a Colorado uh, Rocky since they uh, transitioned from the Rockies to the Devils during your time there? Okay, when I was with the Rockies, okay, we're not having a good year. We're not very good. and We know that the team's probably moving the owner. But one night we're in Chicago. I know we're in Edmonton, and that's when the Edmonton were winning cups. They had great teams. And I remember it's 4-1 to one for Edmonton after two periods, and they, the shots are 39-13 to 13 for Edmonton. Now, I get up in the room and I make this speech. And I'm talking about, this is embarrassing, guy. I put myself on the spot. Okay? We go out for the third period. And Dave Semenko, 
who played with Gretzky a little bit, but a tough guy. He comes over the blue line and he fires a shot between the top of the circle and the blue line. And I miss it. And I remember thinking to me, yeah, way to go, Chico. You mouth it off in the dressing room. You, like I was even almost crying in the dressing room. I was so emotional. And you come out here and yeah, you really backed it up. Nice save. I'm beating myself up. Anyway, now it is five to one. Trey, we come back. Five to two, five to three, five to four, five, five. And we scored the sixth goal and beat them in Edmonton in the last minute. And that was one of the highlights, mainly because it was so exciting to beat the best team in the league. And maybe a little bit that I sort of got off the hook for chastising the players and then not playing well myself afterwards. Um, so that would be that in Colorado. And then, you know what, I think in New Jersey, the opening night was great. But the second game we had in New Jersey, we played the New York Rangers and they were better and they were good. And they had Herbie Brooks as the coach and they had some great players. And we beat them three to two in our building. And I still remember that game. Um, it was electric. The fans were happy. The, the 700 7,500, because all the other fans were Ranger fans, but the Devils fans were happy. And, you know, and then, of course, it goes on. I mean, TV, there's been a lot of highlights, too. But but I think in terms of playing, those would be the two, and one in Colorado and one in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, um, it must have been – you must have a lot of stories going up against people like Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux, uh, some of the best to ever play the game. And you're in goalie, so you're the last line of defense uh, to stop those respective players from finding the back of the net and uh, adding to their already stacked uh, totals. Yes. Okay, uh, last question, and this is probably uh, something that's been talked about lately, but how excited are you for the return of Chico Eats, a segment in which you go around the Prudential Center and you try various amount of foods and give your honest thoughts on them. Okay, first of all, I got to tell you, folks, I get to eat that food for nothing that's free. And I'm from an era, if it's free, it's for me. And I mean, I'm just kidding. But, you know, and then we go around and there's like, you got to understand the concession people are just like the play on the ice. They want to succeed. They're giving their best. They're making good food. You know, they're like, uh, uh, I did a popcorn. Uh, there's there, On the main concourse, there's a popcorn stand. It's the people's popcorn. And they hire autistic people to, to serve. And, and they're just great, right? And uh, I was there a couple games ago, and I thought, oh, Doc Emmerich. And I texted Doc today because Doc was a connoisseur of popcorn. He knew popcorn. But they were so nice. So, okay, then there's some other food that's – here's what I was surprised about. I'll tell you, Trey, because we did four segments, and they're going to break them down. The food, I'm not just saying this because it's my reputation. The food, everywhere I went, was as good or better than I thought. Okay, it's true. The problem is, as we all know in today's society, concession food or any kind of food, going to the supermarket, it's increased. Everything is more expensive. And I hear it from the people saying, oh, Chico, it's so expensive. And I know, and I don't, that's... I don't know how you change that. I mean, the the building wants to make their, their percentage and the people working their butts off, they want to make theirs. Um, 
I, I just think you gotta say I might pay a little bit more. Like I had a burrito from burrito place. It was outstanding and it was big, right? Burritos, it's called. The gentleman started in a food truck. He's bringing it, so it was big. So I was thinking I should have said it in the Chico Eats, but I didn't. Well, if you're with someone, cut it in half. Like half of it's a good meal. And then it's only $10 or $9 each, whatever. So that's all I would say, Trey. I, I love Chico Eats. We're having a lot of fun. The people are great. And as far as the food, I wouldn't say it was good unless it was. I, I Like I say, I know the prices. We all wish it was a couple dollars less. But, you know, in the whole scheme of things, um, it's part of the experience. And uh, so, yeah, that's very nice that someone would remember the old Chico Eats because Doc, Doc Emmerich did, drove that. And then I, I was talking to Doc today. And so we every night, I'd, we did it like three years. Every night I have to think, of what are we going to do tonight? And then, anyway, so then Larry Gaines, who's a, a video guy, a coordinator who cut it down, he would show it and Doc would laugh and pump it up. And, you know, it became, sort of took on a life of its own. So it wasn't just me. I had a lot of help putting it together. But, you know, Trey, the one thing for me is I, I was an average goalie. I, honestly, I, I was okay. I, you know, I, I'm an okay goalie. But what I love are the fans. And I remember in New Jersey, we're at the old Meadowlands. I'm skating around. Right. And I'm hearing somebody yelling, hey, Chico, hey, Chico. And, you know, you, you, you want to kind of be oblivious because you're warming up. But I thought, no, I'm going to look. I looked way up and anyone who was in the old uh, Meadowlands Airlines Arena remembers how high that second balcony was. And Trey, there were these two young boys. I don't know, maybe 20. They're screaming this. Hey, Chico. I went around. I took my glove off. I gave them a thumbs up. I kind of waved at them. Trey, they turned to each other, were punching each other, basically saying, he heard us. He acknowledged us. You know, he he made it like he knew us. And, and that's what I say. The only reason we're coming to those games are the fans and the season ticket holders. They pay parking and they, they leave work early or they get home late and they get, I mean, it's all about the fans, and Pete, fans are really nice to me, and I'll just leave you with this, Trey. They always come up and say, oh, Chico, you're so nice. And I say to them, well, thank you very much. But let me ask you this. Why wouldn't I be nice to you? I always get your very best. Fans always put their best foot forward. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't I be nice? I mean, I'd have to be such a schmuck if I wasn't. But anyways, then we start talking and we always have a good time. So, you know, I just love the fans. And when I think of how the franchise has remained solid all these years, when Mr. McMullen brought it, and it was a real battle. But and even now, I mean, fans are so loyal. Uh, and that's really what I still enjoy. Games are great, but it's the fans that make it all happen. And that's one thing none of us ever want to uh, forget. It's about the fans. I'm glad that you uh, stick with your morals and uh, you make the fans a, a top priority because there's a lot of high-profile people who uh, try not to give uh, too much attention to fans, but glad that you definitely make them priority to make them feel welcome, special, and 
I'm sure they rewarded uh, rewarded back to you in the same way because, like I said at the beginning of this episode, you are a fan favorite, and that's why you uh, won the Bill Masterton Trophy uh, years ago. So, uh, yeah, just I, I and everyone knows how good you are on TV and also the radio. So, uh, Chico, thanks for taking the time. We talked about pretty much everything. I think my audience already knows where to find you at, but uh, do you still want to like uh, th throw in uh, where they can uh, uh, view your work or something like that? No, you know what? I used to be on Twitter. I'm not. I wish I, I was in some regards, but I know how addicting that can be. So, uh, Trey, I don't have any any anything that I can give to the fans. I love to interact with them and I, I should try to come up with something. Um, but uh, as of now, I don't, um, you know, on the, so unless you could think of something, Trey, I can't right now because I don't want to go on Twitter because I see the people on Twitter and, and I get the addiction of the phone, but I don't, I want to give people eye contact. I want to talk to people. I don't want to be so addicted to the phone and, and maybe you don't have to be, but I see some of my colleagues every time I see them, they're on the phone, the phone, the phone. So I like to hear from fans, but I really don't know. I don't know where to go where I could, uh, the Twitter I don't have anymore. So unless I get that started up, I don't know what I can say. I got you. You could tune in every Devils game to hear Matt Loughlin and Chico call the game on the airwaves. And you can also uh, catch them at the Prudential Center pregame. And uh, I, I speak from experience. Chico's a very nice guy, and he will have a lengthy conversation with you, case in point, on this show right now. So, Chico, uh, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to appear on my show and uh, talk all things Devils and have this open hockey discussion. Well, Trey, thank you. Thank you for making it so friendly and, you know, just uh, the the love coming from you and the Devils fans. I mean, you know, we're kind of family in some ways. And, and you know, people don't know, but Trey was an announcer at Adrian College and my niece from Calgary, Alberta, she was a goalie there and her name was Barr. And Trey came up with the slogan as he's doing the games, Barr, that's her last name. Tender. She was a goalie, a tender, tendered goal, and your name was Barr. I thought that was brilliant, Trey. So thank you for uh, you know enhancing her career, and thank you for having me on uh, today. It was it was really a lot of fun. Thanks, Trey. The bar is closed for the bartender. Thanks so much, Chico. We'll be in touch uh, going forward. Thank you, Trey. Bye, everyone.